Stroud watching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown, Smith and Jigba. Are you kidding me? Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. What looked to be a quiet slate of games last Saturday turned into survival of the fittest. We'll examine who's still alive in the college football playoff race and break down the biggest rivalry week matchups, including a battle of unbeaten 11-0 Ohio State and Michigan in the game. This is the Saturday Cadence Podcast presented by the Silver Bulletin. I'm your host, Blake Biscardi, and producer Grant Kincaid is with me today. So Grant, let's start with the unexpected chaos from Saturday, namely what happened to Tennessee in Columbia. Yeah, that was, a, I guess, you know, a combination of Tennessee kind of being in uncharted waters. Uh, obviously, they have, uh, they have not been in the position to be in the playoff or really in a BCS game to that magnitude in decades, uh, certainly in my lifetime, excluding, of course, 1998. But uh, Spencer Rattler pulled, what, five touchdowns out of nowhere, uh, had the game of his life. Um, so, you know, in, in a spot where they had a great chance to sneak into the playoff where, you know, the fourth, the fourth spot seems to be up for grads, although TCU somehow keeps winning. Um, Tennessee couldn't, couldn't hold their weight. And, you know, I guess to some degree you could see it coming because uh, that defense is just it's, – it's pretty atrocious. <laughs> and yesterday it got exposed. Yeah, ten- Tennessee's defense is their weakest link there. And I was one harping on Tennessee saying they're still going to be in the playoff no matter what. They already beat Alabama. All yeah. they had to do was just win. They didn't have to do anything mm-hmm. special. All they had to do was win, and they were going to find their way into the playoff given their resume. But, yeah, Spencer Rattler tried to redeem his entire career in one night mm-hmm. last night, and he pretty much did it. It was unbelievable. They Tennessee could not stop South Carolina no matter what they tried, what they did. Everything went South Carolina's way last night. Yeah, the – I mean, Tennessee gave up over 600 total yards. So it's just, I mean, at no point did they have any remote control over the game, um, which is really, I, it's, that's not the team I expect Tennessee to, <laughs> to struggle with. That's, that's, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. Of all the top four teams struggling yesterday, Tennessee made it the top five teams struggling. If you were looking at who you thought could lose yesterday, TCU was the team that you would think if you're just looking mm-hmm. at that slate of games, maybe Georgia, if Kentucky decided that they wanted to play like South Carolina did yesterday, but then the top four all survived. And then we got to Tennessee and South Carolina jumped out to the lead. They got up by double digits and you're waiting for that tide to turn. When's Tennessee just going to get it all back. They're going to get a stop or a turnover and Hendon hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman would just take over, but it never happened. And Spencer Rattler led South Carolina, just a waxing of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But of the other top four teams that struggled yesterday, what was the other one most surprising to you? And what did you learn in those games, if anything? Um, I think I'm trying to think, you know, TCU, obviously that every week is like that. Um, somehow they get that field goal off, with no timeout, time expiring. But um, I think Georgia, I mean, 
at no point were they losing, but I mean, it was like a nine nine Oh game for a full half. Uh, and the offense, albeit Kentucky does have a top end defense in the sec. Uh, just, I mean, quite literally never really got it going. Um, they really, really riding on their defense this year. And I think that's going to, uh, you know, I could be completely wrong because Georgia's defense is statistically as good as last year's, but uh, the offense just does not seem to have what they had last year. Um, and McCorkle, you know, great name, great story, uh, but you're going to have to have someone other than your tight ends to throw to at some point. And I think that's going to bite them at some point. Definitely. And then you saw Ohio State and Michigan both struggle yesterday. And though I didn't think that they would, I wasn't surprised to see that they did in that game. Yeah, just overlooking. Because of, yeah. Right, and what's looming this week, undefeated showdown 11-0 with literally every possible dream you could have on the line next week in Columbus. So it, it's understandable in that sense, and they both escaped with victories late. But the biggest winner yesterday to me was USC. Their playoff hopes are very much alive now. They don't have to worry about traffic or things happening in front of them in order to get into the playoff. I think if they end up finishing 12-1, and winning the Pac-12, getting that win over UCLA, and then Notre Dame this week, and then potentially Oregon, that they have a very strong case to be in the playoff. And I think that the Trojans would be in in Lincoln Riley's first year. And then Caleb Williams enters the Heisman conversation officially with a win next week. Even though he's moved to the front of people's ballots this week, I still think C.J. Stroud controls it with what he does next week. But yeah. USC very much alive for the college football playoff right now. Yeah, um, the, you know that game last night was it was really cool to see the Rose Bowl uh, packed out for a game like that. I can't remember the last time. I mean, maybe since you know Matt Liner was playing, <laughs> uh, USC was when that rivalry had any kind of merit to it. Uh, but yeah, Kayla Williams had over 500 yards to himself yesterday um, and they weren't playing at midnight. So people actually saw it. So it definitely explains why he's jumping in the front of people's ballots. Uh, and Notre Dame's become a really good team. So uh, that game becomes a lot more interesting next week. Um, but it also gives USC an even better resume. Uh, and like you said, I think they definitely control their destiny at this point. Yeah. Caleb Williams finally got, the main stage prime time last night. It was good to see Gus and Joel call a night game too in the Rose yes. Bowl. Everything about last night, everything about last night was fitting to me. Mm -hmm. You got the Battle of LA, that rivalry back. The Rose Bowl was packed out. It was great to see, like you said, that rivalry just taking center stage in college football and restoring its former prominence. But then even yesterday too, Clemson won. And now do they have an outside shot at the playoff given that Tennessee lost? The doors just open. I mean, TCU holds the ultimate keys to chaos, mm -hmm. but Tennessee losing opens up another spot to me. Yeah, obviously it would require some chaos ahead of them, but, you know, you know, unfortunately in my mind, because I don't think Clemson is a playoff caliber team. Um, if, if USC drops one and, you know, TCU uh, actually loses one of these games, uh, it opens the door wide open uh, and, uh, anything could happen at that point. Um, only thing that could hurt Clemson is the fact that they play absolutely nobody uh, the next couple of weeks. So that's why it would take, you know, some considerable chaos. Yeah. Plus North Carolina lost to Georgia tech yesterday, yes. which yep. they were in the top 15. So now that would hurt Clemson's resume moving forward as well. Cause that ACC title game is already set 
between yeah. Clemson and North Carolina. So I'm with you. I think Clemson needs a lot more help. And I don't think you can compare each resume, but above all mm -hmm. football judgment, watching them on film just tells you that they're not a playoff caliber team, just mm -hmm. like you mentioned. But again, sticking with the playoff talk here, the likelihood of two big 10 teams making the fo college football playoff, and that's going to be Ohio state and Michigan. If it happens, I think there's a really, I thought there was a good chance of that happening prior to this weekend. I think there's an even better chance of that happening now. Caveat being a, a close game in Columbus. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, obviously it has to be a really close game. Uh, in that case, you know, it, it's tough to say, would you rather need TCU to go win out or to lose? Um, because, you know, if that does happen, the committee is not going to put Ohio State two and three again. Uh, they would have to move them to four. Uh, then I guess you would have to move TCU into three or, you know, I don't know how they would do it to depend on what happened, but uh, a one loss team in that position. Um, I, I think it's definitely possible. The only thing is the last time that happened that, that a team didn't win a division was us or Ohio state. Um, and they lost 31 to nothing when that happened. Uh, so the committee may have a little bit of a reservation. Yeah, and then Alabama in 2017 as well, and look mm -hmm. what happened with them. Mm -hmm. But when I look at that argument, the weakness of the argument would be if Michigan is the team to lose because their out-of-conference schedule is the second weakest only to UCLA mm -hmm. in all of college football, and we've seen the committee note that in Michigan's ranking mm -hmm. at first. So Clemson began ahead of Michigan in the initial rankings, and that tells you that though Michigan is valued, the committee does look at strength of schedule and strength of record. So I think that would be the weakness to the argument. And for Michigan to lose and still make it, they would need TCU and USC to both lose and force the committee's hand to put them in, which again is not out of the realm of possibilities. I think mm -hmm. Ohio state at this point is guaranteed a playoff spot as it is, yeah. unless USC were to win out because they're number two right now, they have the strong case already in Notre Dame as much improved they're now a top 15 team and they should be on Tuesday night. So I like the Buckeyes chances either way, but USC now controls what happens between getting the fourth spot or the second big 10 team getting the fourth mm -hmm. spot. Yeah. I think uh, Michigan, you can't lose uh, the biggest game and really your only highlight of the season. <laughs> you can't lose that game and expect to get in. Right. And Michigan throttled Penn State, but at the same mm -hmm. time, Penn, Penn State's State, that forgotten about yeah. team. Yeah. They're they're playing well this year now. They've been great in the last two weeks. Again, it was Maryland and Rutgers. Mm -hmm. But Penn State's done the job of what they're supposed to do, beat the teams they're supposed to. They just didn't win the big games. So even having that win over Penn State, it's not as flashy as Tennessee's yeah. win over Alabama or Ohio State. You know, and, and they Michigan. won that game at home. Uh, Ohio State beat Penn State on the road by double right. digits. And then, of course, you know, beat Notre Dame by double digits, which will end up being the difference in, in that schedule. Yeah, definitely. And now if we look ahead to this week and maybe some chaos happens again, South Carolina just beat Tennessee. Can they continue that high? And do you think they give Clemson any trouble this week? I'd be surprised if they did. Uh, I, I feel like South Carolina is going to have about the most emotional letdown you could possibly have after putting up 63 points on Tennessee and winning that game. Uh, but, you know, I would, if Rattler does what he did this past week, 
you know, anything can happen. Uh, but, you know, it seems to be a tall task considering how he's played most of his career. Yeah. It's, when I was watching the game last night between South Carolina and Tennessee, all I was thinking about was when Ohio State played Iowa after Penn State or when Ohio yeah. State played Purdue in the blackout Tyler Trent game and yeah. nothing Ohio State could do would just make it right. And everything Iowa and Purdue do, yeah. did exactly it just scored you couldn't stop it there was nothing stopping that upset from happening that's exactly what we saw last night but yeah i think south carolina just has an emotional hangover i'm hammering yeah. clemson minus 14 in this game we'll get to the official picks later on but then tcu and lsu they're now sitting back again potential playoff teams here would they struggle against iowa state and texas a&m respectively a&m's backs are against the wall here can they pull an upset over lsu i think that would be the more likely case here yeah is that is that in college station i believe it is but i'll double check as you talk okay. about it let's just say uh because if it is then you know you know weird things happen at a&m so certainly anything could happen uh the other issue there though is that uh texas a&m probably could not have looked worse the past month or so um you know they they played UMass and were just kind of like willing themselves to beat a one win UMass team at home. Uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, A&M has the talent. Um, they just in no way can put it together this year. And whether that's on Jimbo or not, who knows? Everyone knows about the buyout. But, um, you know, I wouldn't put it past somehow happening, but it's doubtful. <laughs> Yeah, and that game is in College Station. I mm-hmm. I did to just check. Mm-hmm. Like you said, anything can happen there. But, man, when you look at Texas A&M, and they had the national title aspirations. Desmond Howard infamously picked them to win it all this yeah. year in his college football playoff bracket that will probably be hung on the freezing cold takes wall of fame yeah. for the year. I mean, they've just been a disappointment. They've not been able to do anything offensively. That's supposed to be Jimbo Fisher's unit. All these recruiting mm-hmm. classes, I know – they're a year away from those recruiting classes yeah. really having their time. There's no excuse to be yeah. three and seven right now. Yeah. It's like you said, you gotta be, you have to be bowl eligible by week 10 at least, you know? Um, so, and now they're, you know, I know some five and seven teams can get in, but they're almost surely going to miss out on a bowl. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, when you look at disappointments from preseason top 10 teams, it was a race between Texas A&M and Oklahoma on who is worse. And I still have to give it to Texas A&M because look what Oklahoma was able to do in Bedlam yesterday. They just routed Oklahoma State, who's also fallen off a cliff in the last couple of years. What a roller coaster Oklahoma's been this year. (laughs) Yeah, they really have. And then back out to the Pac-12 with USC now, they're playing Notre Dame. Does USC fall into that? trap where they have an emotional letdown against Notre Dame which is another rivalry game so you're going back-to-back weeks here with rivalry games USC will be at home but it's an interesting spot for the Trojans yeah it's uh and like I said Notre Dame is like an unrecognizable team from the beginning of the season I mean they they are beat 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 Boston College 44 to nothing yesterday um and just I mean couldn't even lift the cleats off the field against uh, Notre Dame, Boston College couldn't. Um, so you're looking at a team that's vastly improved, uh, well coached. You know, you have to give credit to Marcus Freeman. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, Lincoln Riley's defense can do because they've just kind of been skating by, you know, contr- um, 
forcing turnovers at the right times, you know, in games, uh, at some point, you know, that's, that's not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what happens in that game. Yeah. Notre Dame has been hot the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. They really started that streak by, you know, hammering Clemson. They beat Syracuse in the process as well over the last yeah. couple of weeks. And here they are. This is a big stage now for Notre Dame. And maybe they can even creep next to the top 10, top 12 if they were to get a win over USC here. But again, like you said, USC, their hallmark this year, obviously the offense, but they've forced a lot of turnovers and they've given up. They've turned the ball over a couple of times, but UCLA got the first points off of turnovers all year on USC mm-hmm. last night. So when you look at Notre Dame, this is a really, really big spot now for Marcus Freeman. He can completely 180 his season around from losing to Ohio State and losing to Marshall at the beginning of the year. And now he closes with ranked wins over Syracuse, Clemson, and winning a rivalry game in USC. That's going to be great momentum heading into the bowl game and the offseason for Notre Dame. So USC needs to watch out in this matchup, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's really going to test their physicality, too looking at it that was my preseason worry with usc is seeing can they match up in the trenches against ohio state clemson and and uh and notre dame yeah which i i think you know i test most people would agree that they're not quite there yet um and that has always been lincoln riley's achilles heel even oklahoma i think it's why he made that move to usc so who knows it you know he has the potential with that market and that team to, to recruit those kind of guys. But right now they're probably a little behind. Yeah. I, I expect a bit of a slow start from both teams in the matchup. Notre Dame will kind of feel out USC's offense, make some adjustments there. Maybe USC gets a quick early score, but I'm, I'm not super confident in USC in this spot, but again, if USC can finish the year beating UCLA, Notre Dame and Oregon back to back to back, they deserve the playoff spot. Now that's a tall task given having a pretty weak defense like that, you really need that defense to show up and show out yeah. three weeks in a row. And that that's a lot to ask, I think, from what we've yeah. seen from USC's defense. It was Swiss cheese last night at times yeah. against UCLA. Yes, absolutely. So now we've got the biggest game of the week. It is the game, Ohio State-Michigan. Let's preview this real quick. What are your matchups to watch out for? Both teams coming in at 11-0. They're led by Heisman contender, Ohio State C.J. Stroud, Michigan Blake Corum. There's a lot happening in this matchup a lot of moving parts we've been talking about it since last november when jim harbaugh michigan finally got the victory after a decade 42 to 27 mm-hmm. it's been thrown in ohio state's face for the last year and it's finally coming on saturday what are your matchups to watch for this year uh well what i would look at is uh ohio state's receivers against the secondary of michigan because I think that's going to be a very clear advantage for Ohio State. Um, uh, on the other side, I think you want to take a close look, obviously, at Ohio State's run defense. Uh, because last year, that was the story. They couldn't, they could not stop Michigan, no matter how many guys were in the box, no matter what kind of defense they were set up in. Um, they just had, you know, no chance all day. Um, so if they can keep Corum, you know, in the run game to a minimum and take advantage of their matchups outside, uh, then Ohio State, you know, they should have no problem covering the current spread, which is sitting at eight and a half as far as I know. Um, But that's where I would look. 
Yeah, when you look at Ohio State's defense versus Michigan's offense, the battle in the trenches from the offensive line and the defensive line, that's going to be where you can tell what's going to happen with the game. That's the key right there. Ohio State did not do a great job of maintaining their gap integrity last year. Michigan took advantage of the wide gaps, and they, Ohio State would line the defensive end a little bit wider. The linebackers didn't do a good job. But Ohio State's linebackers, led by Tommy Eichenberg, have been phenomenal this year under Jim Knowles. He's revamped the entire scheme. I expect to see a couple different looks we've not seen yet this year. Maybe they come out in a 5-2. Who knows? There'll mm -hmm. be something different from Jim Knowles that we'll see to be a wrinkle to make Michigan, you know, understand and kind of feel out Jim Knowles instead of having Jim Knowles feel out Michigan yeah. because Jim Knowles wants Ohio State's defense to be the aggressors. And yeah. that's what they're going to have to do to stop the run for Michigan. Because if Ohio State can make JJ McCarthy have to beat him with his arm, he's not proven to do that all year. No. And that's where and, it would uh, bode well for Ohio State. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, Knowles kind of has that three safety technique where he moves them all over the field and disguises them. Um, that's right. where I think McCarthy's going to really struggle reading all that. Yeah, I would look for an early turnover from McCarthy in the air, just given those different looks. I think one of the biggest keys for Ohio State, too, is if they can, if they win the toss, take the ball and go score, get up, make Michigan work from behind as much yeah. as you can in the game. Like last year, Michigan scored first. You're like, mm -hmm. all right, not a big deal. Then Ohio State couldn't score. The Michigan drives right back down the field, and that's when you realize, oh, boy, that we're, yeah. we're in for a long day. Lathan Ransom or Bryson Shaw gets the interception, then you're like, mm -hmm. Okay, might have some life here, but Ohio State was from behind. And when Michigan, all they want to do is run the football. That's their identity. That's how they want to beat you. That is their point of attack is running the football and shoving it down your throat physically the entire game. And they can't do that if they're down, you know, 10 points or two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And if Ohio State can manage to get up in that way and force Michigan to go through the air, that's what's going to cause the most problems for Jim Harbaugh's bunch. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. That's just name of the game at this point exactly but one of the biggest things to watch out for is you know we're talking so much about the running game but who's actually going to run the football for either team right now Blake mm -hmm. Corum and Donovan Edwards have been banged up well Edwards been banged up Corum went down against Illinois and then for Ohio State Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson have been in and out the entire season Henderson left yesterday in a walking boot they showed on the sideline the status of Mayan Williams is unknown and what his injury actually is will it be mm -hmm. Dallin Hayden who starts for Ohio State so as much as we talk about this running game, we don't even know who's going to be running the football right now. Mm -hmm. And that's something definitely to watch because if Michigan is without Corum and Edwards, it might be a really long day for the Wolverines and there might not be anything they can really do about it. Yeah, it's uh, I'll be very interested to see what happened to Corum because, uh, I mean, as soon as he got hit, they took him right out, did not even act like he was coming back into the game. So it would be interested to see what they do with him. Yeah, he came back out and stretched for the second half. He had one yeah. carry, but again, and then just yeah, you just never know with with a knee if it's an ACL, an MCL, a sprain. Yeah. You know, if he hyperextended it, just not sure. But if Ohio State has to turn to Dallin Hayden, I think that he's a pretty secure and safe bet for the Buckeyes. But above all of that, if neither team could run the football, which historically the winner of this matchup is the team who runs the football for more yards. Mm -hmm. I trust Ohio State's receivers and Ohio State's quarterback, C.J. Stroud, way more than I trust J.J. McCarthy and Antrell Anthony and Ronnie Bell and the receivers Michigan has outside. Yeah, absolutely. So what would your number one key to victory be now for either Ohio State or Michigan in this game? Uh, I mean, stopping the run. It's first and foremost. 
because if you're making JJ McCarthy have to stand in the pocket and beat you, uh, it's going to come back to bite them eventually. They just, they don't even have, I don't think they have the receivers to kind of sustain, sustain something like that. Yeah. JJ McCarthy hasn't been as accurate. He started the year with like, Oh, he's most accurate in the country. Okay. Well, they were playing high school teams, essentially Mm -hmm. UConn. Now they're bowl eligible. So they've turned it around, but by and large, Michigan didn't see a team with a pulse really until they played Penn state and McCarthy in the last couple of weeks has not been accurate. He's missed some throws high. You saw it yesterday against Illinois yeah I mean I don't trust JJ McCarthy to to beat me deep right now at all they don't like to throw the ball beyond 12 yards as it is let alone (laughs) having to come from behind now because Michigan again has not trailed much this year if at all I think the closest was you know when they trailed by against Penn State for a few minutes and then Mm -hmm. against Illinois yesterday and we saw how they responded they only mustered the three field goals in the second half there yeah after getting down so it's a completely different offense for Michigan. Yeah, it definitely is. And then uh, now let's transition into our week 13 picks here. We're going to start with the Iron Bowl. Normally, this is a game that everyone talks a lot about. It gets a lot of hype. Both teams usually good. Not the case this year. Alabama does not, that we know of, have playoff implications or hopes right now. And Auburn's in a tire fire. Who knows what's mm-hmm. going to happen? They moved off of Brian Harson. Who will mm-hmm. they hire? Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders, maybe. The spread in this game, Alabama favored by 21 and a half. Who do you have? Uh, it's uh, Yeah, it's Alabama by a landslide. I know that's yeah. pretty chalky, but. <laughs> no, I, I like Alabama in this game as well. Auburn, rivalry game, high emotions. But yeah. again, I think Auburn and is. Tuscaloosa too. Yeah, they're in a really deep spot right now. And I don't know if they can claw their way out of it by giving Alabama any part of a game. But now we'll go out west to the Apple Cup here. Washington, they've come on strong, got a big win against Oregon two weeks ago, finding themselves mm. in the top 15, favored by two and a half at Washington State. Uh, you know, you like to think that Washington would take care of business at that point. Um, they, you know, they had the big win at Oregon. So you could say, you know, maybe they're riding that high. But, you know, a couple of weeks after that, Washington State, they're always a frisky team. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in there. Uh, but, you know, I still would give the edge to Washington. Yeah, I would like to think so too, but there's a stat out there, and I don't know exactly what it is, but especially in the Pac-12, the home teams have performed so well this year. And the outlier to that was, and this really wasn't even a home game really because they both play in the same city, USC mm-hmm. going in to the Rose Bowl and beating UCLA yeah. last night. So if you're going off of that stat and how – the year has trended with home teams playing so well in these big games. You want to pick Washington State. But I like what Washington's done for the last couple of weeks, and I liked what they showed me against Oregon as a team. They played physical football. They played really well for four quarters. So I'm going to take Washington as well in this matchup. And then we'll just a few miles away, we've got Oregon and Oregon State. The Ducks favored by three and a half, looking to make the Pac-12 championship again. Yeah, that's uh, interesting because Oregon State has been somewhat of a surprise, you know, you know, winning a couple more games than people expected, that's for sure. And or, or with Oregon's loss to Washington, like we mentioned, you know, they're, they've lost their playoff hopes. And, uh, you know, although Bo Nix, uh, I believe he got banged up this week. Yeah, he's questionable to start. Um, yeah. He's playing at a high level. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Oregon – can uh, come out and 
have the same kind of juice. Um, is this is this in Eugene? It is not. It's yeah. in Corvallis. Yeah, I think uh, in Corvallis, I think some weird things are going to happen. I think Oregon State's going to be able to pull this out. Yeah, there's going to be some weird fog or something's going to happen in yeah. Corvallis. It's just one of those places to play that you never want to go to. I think they're going to give Oregon all that they can handle in this matchup, yeah. and the health of Bo Nix is really going to play onto that. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. pick both away teams here. I think I am going to take Oregon State as well. Yeah, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens to that matchup because Bo Nix played so well, and then he got banged yeah. up. So we'll see how he can finish the year and if Oregon can muster any juice for the Pac-12 championship game. And then earlier we talked about Clemson and South Carolina. The game is played. At in Death Valley, Clemson mm-hmm. favored by 14. I like them to absolutely roll in this matchup. I don't think South Carolina's going to have much of anything after last week. Yeah, as soon as I saw that it was going to be in Death Valley, um, there's just no shot for South Carolina, you know, combined with the fact that they've had such an emotional week. Um, I just don't think they can replicate their magic. Yeah, not two weeks in a row. They kind of put all their eggs in one basket. All the magic's run out. Yeah. The clock struck 12 on yeah. everything we saw against Tennessee. I, I don't think they have a shot against Clemson, but we'll go back out to the West coast. It's our third game out there. Notre Dame in the Coliseum against USC Trojans favored by five and a half. Do they keep their playoff hopes alive on Saturday? Uh, this is a, this is a tough one for me because I think USC's kind of been skating by playing well, no doubt, especially on offense. Um, you know, they have a very, very potent attack, especially through the air. Um, and with Notre Dame coming in playing, you know, the best football they've played in a while, just looking really good. Uh, I think it's going to be very close. I think it's a field goal game, but I think USC is going to find a way uh, again. All right. I like Notre Dame outright in this game. Wow. I like them outright in this game in the preseason. I'm going to stay with my pick here. I don't think USC is good enough in the trenches to beat a team like Notre Dame. And I like them to just overpower USC late it's going to be a four-quarter game i do think it's going to be close yeah I like it, it's, a, it's a tough goal. one yeah, yeah it's within a touchdown for sure i can see it either way but i i just don't trust usc enough on defense or at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage in order to win this game now caleb yeah. williams can go out there and have the game of his life no again doubt. and he can tear up notre dame's defense i just don't i just don't see it happening i'm going to take notre dame here outright and then finally we'll close Michigan traveling to Columbus first time since 2018. This game will be in Columbus because COVID game mm-hmm. canceled in 2020. Buckeyes favored by eight and a half here. So much on the line. The Big Ten East, the, a chance to go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game, mm-hmm. a college football playoff berth, a shot for the national championship, the Heisman Trophy. Everything is on the line. This could be a 10-year defining game for Ryan Day. It's mm-hmm. huge implications in Columbus right now. Who do you have and by how many? Uh, I think I've got Ohio State by 10. Um, I think that on the perimeter especially, uh, there's going to be kind of that gap that we saw in previous years in just speed. Uh, um, and I think that, you know, Jim Knowles, he's certainly taken note from what happened last year. Uh, it's going to be in the back of everybody's mind. Uh, and I think the running game is going to be controlled to the point where where the Ohio State can win the game. Yeah, I think this has game of the year potential for sure. And Columbus between these two teams, it's going to be a heavyweight war 
the entire time. I recorded a show with Dave. We did a special on the game. I picked it 38-30. I'm going to stick with that uh, for continuity's sakes. Blake Corm has a lot to do with that score that I'm assuming he's playing, making that prediction. If he if he does not play and Donovan Edwards is still out, I don't yeah. see how Michigan keeps it within two touchdowns, truthfully. I just mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough from their offense to be confident in a Michigan team without Blake Corum to go do anything. So if Blake Corum plays, I like Ohio State 38 to 30. Yeah. If he's out, I don't see how it's within two touchdowns, and that's respectfully. To Michigan, I, Ohio State just has too much firepower, and the defense is a top ten defense. It's a great unit. Jim Knowles mm-hmm. has them playing very well. It's not the same Ohio State defense we saw last year. Yeah. We didn't get to see anything in twenty twenty, so we'll never know. It's going to look more like that two thousand and nineteen game if mm-hmm. Quorum is out. Yeah, I would definitely agree there. Yeah, but I I think we're going to have a great weekend of college football again. All the rivalry games we got a little taste of it this week with USC UCLA. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Bedlam. So I'm, I'm excited for the week ahead. I think it's going to be great. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts here. Uh, no, uh, other than the fact that I'm looking forward to this this final rivalry week. Rivalry week. Um, yeah, it's it's always – it kills me every time. But it's, a, it's always a fun time after Thanksgiving watching those kind of football games all day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one last thing here. Who wins the Big Ten West? It's been the age-old question for this entire season. Nobody yeah. wants to win it. Iowa controls their own destiny. They have to get yes. past Nebraska, which can they do it? We'll see. Uh, I think Iowa replicates their magic or lack thereof from last year and, and finds a way to get in, uh, which is, you know, credit to them for kind of, you know, making their way and winning that that game last night was uh, the most classic Big Ten West game you'll watch, you know, 13 to 10 frigid temperatures in the teens um but i think i was i think i was going to sneak in but i mean absolutely who knows at this point yeah as an iowa fan though would they be happy winning the big 10 western game indianapolis after all the frustration they have with brian ferentz calling the offense it doesn't really give grounds for them to move off of them which is insane when to think about that way kirk ferentz is one of the most consistent coaches Mm -hmm you know, in, in the country he's been there. He's, I think he's the longest tenured coach now Yeah, uh, that Gary Patterson retired. But I mean, as an Iowa fan, that's kind of mixed emotions. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's a weird situation, you know, watching Spencer Petros uh, week in a week out, just kind of be the most mundane uh, unathletic quarterback you could really throw out there in the big 10. Um, but uh you know, you, I guess you take what you can get. Uh, you hope that this offseason, the noise is loud enough to kind of change the tide in that regard. Uh, if, if I was an Iowa fan, I would definitely be worried either way. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think they stand a chance against Ohio State of Michigan. We've already seen that matchup once. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worse again indoors. It's going to yeah. be a track meet for Absolutely. whichever team decides to go in there. But one last thing for real this time. What's your top three for the Heisman Trophy right now? Uh, I think you got it's it's I think it's close between Stroud and Williams after last night. I think uh, Stroud edge him out Williams sitting at two, you know, reluctantly because I know Coram's had an unbelievable year, but he's you know, he got hurt yesterday. Uh, It'll be questionable what he does against Ohio State. So that's why I have him at three. Uh, But it's 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 at this point a pretty much toss up. 
uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week, though. Yeah, it really came down to the wire. Hendon Hooker fell out of the race yesterday with Tennessee's yeah. loss. Quorum still had a great stat line yesterday. It wasn't a full game, but he still ran for over 100 yards, a couple yeah. scores. Excuse me. And, um, yeah, I think it's the same thing. C.J. Stroud barely in first right now. Caleb Williams right on his tail. And because Quorum got hurt yesterday and wasn't able to get into the end zone as many times as he'd like, I've got him at third. I'd still think that the Heisman Trophy will be decided in the horseshoe on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a deciding factor in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, Grant, that's all I've got for tonight, man. Great show. Excited for this weekend, guys. going to be an exciting weekend of college football. Game of the year implications in Columbus. All the pregame shows. Everybody's going to be watching at noon on Saturday. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Yep. All right, guys. This has been the Saturday Cadence Podcast.